0: Welcome to Revolution Live. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. Wherever you are in the world, we're very pleased to see you here. And indeed, we may well see you literally because we do invite some of our attendees to join the virtual stage and ask their question in person. But for now, um, it's just myself, Roger Atkins, your host uh, here on the regular Wednesday afternoon slot uh, at the end of the month we've been going through some fantastic uh, events all through this year with some amazing people and some really good information and data and that's no different now in this episode because today i'm going to be speaking to jonathan goose who is uh, ev regional director for uk and ireland for ev box and we're going to be talking about a very significant report about information feedback from drivers where we've asked drivers, what do they want? What's the reality of how they see this transition to electric vehicles and what they'd like to see happening? So I'm very much looking forward to getting into that in absolute detail. It's a document we're going to share, incidentally, after this, so you'll have a link to the full document. It's very comprehensive, as we're about to find out from Jonathan. Um, So without any further ado, Jonathan Goose, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon, Roger. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm absolutely fine. Thank you very much. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, it's interesting times, isn't it? And, uh, you know, we've, we've got a lot going on. We've got um, all sorts of things happening around the world, some of them very good things. Sadly, some of them not so good things for sure. But if there's one thing we've all got to do, um, and I think you know this phrase, Jonathan, you're here in the UK, it's to keep calm and carry on. That's, that's good advice, isn't it? It definitely is. OK, so, uh, very much looking forward to our conversation. Good. OK, well, look, let's kick off with a poll. We love to hook up to LinkedIn before we do these events. And uh, we like often to have have a poll to get a little bit of feedback on what people think. So the question that we asked was, what do you think is the biggest blocker for widespread EV adoption? Now, I'm going to reveal the answers, uh, Jonathan. I think we've had them out anyway, so maybe Maybe if you're listening and watching this, you've already heard this, but I'm going to repeat it. Uh, The price, the price of electric vehicles was 41 percent. So that's the number one issue, according to our poll. Um, Second one, insufficient infrastructure, which was 38 percent. So pretty much similar. And then the third one, which was just 16%, and then the rest was something and nothing really, um, was not enough rapid charges. So that's that's interesting in itself. Any surprises in those there in those answers in that poll, Jonathan? Because obviously we're going to get into the report in a
1: moment. No, not at all. In fact, it's quite similar and reflects what we've also found out through the monitor. Um, price, I, I'm not surprised by that really. Cost, cost of vehicles still relatively high. As we know, uh, there are some smaller vehicles at lower cost and there's some rather more expensive ones at higher cost. So I'm not surprised about that. Infrastructure. I think we hear all the time on the news, the the charger's not there, it's not working, et cetera, et cetera. And then people want to charge quickly. So I'm not surprised by that poll. Mm. Mm. Well, as I said, that was a few people on LinkedIn.
0: We also mm. had some nice comments and questions from people, which we're, we're very grateful for. Uh, people talking about, you know, what about what about working towards different sort of forms of ownership or or, or using vehicles rather than owning them, um, to be specific. But but yeah, the themes and the thread of cost and, and infrastructure, definitely there a lot. Um, now, as I understand it, because of course I've made some notes before I spoke to you, because I know you're clever and know all the detail of this, but I thought I ought to gen up as well, Jonathan, it was something like, was it 4,000 people that together with Ipsos, you surveyed for this report? Is, is that, is that right? That I don't that's right. right.
1: 4,000 people in, in France, UK, uh, Netherlands, and Germany, uh, with Ipsos who are globally, of course, in, in market research. And uh, they've they were commissioned by Avbox, and uh, we've come up with a very interesting report with some great results. Right. Well,
0: before I ask you my basically my first question, I know I've already asked a few, but um, one thing I would like to point out um, is I'm given to understand that we ha- do have the report in a number of different languages, not just English. I think there's one in French. As one in German. I'm not sure what other languages, but certainly those two other ones. So again, if you're watching and English isn't your mother tongue and you'd like if you're German to see this in, in this report in German, um, I think it's going to be available, which I think is quite neat. We should we should be seeing that more often. I think that's very good. So, yeah, f- first question It's maybe an obvious one, a simple one, but just so I can get my head around it and all of our
1: lovely people watching. What is the
0: mobility monitor?
1: Well, it's, it's a survey, it's a series of questions that has been asked to uh, quite a lot of people, let's say 4,000 people, and it's to ask really the obvious questions that we all want to know the answer to. You know, w- what is the problem? What are the barriers for you uh, to buy an electric vehicle? That kind of question. Why do you want to, 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 uh, to, to drive that kind of vehicle? What would you need? What would persuade you to get into an electric car? These are the type of questions we—it's not just for the UK; it's for the whole of Europe—and mm. we're obviously seeing different people with different um, objections to buying an electric vehicle. Mm. So this is the feedback from those people. And and why did you do it? I mean, what's the point of the report? How is it going to be used? What what's its kind of intention? Its purpose? We're not here necessarily as EV box. We're here to to discuss this as an industry. And it's it's helpful for everybody, in the industry besides us, to understand what are the barriers for people uh, who want to get involved in electric vehicles. So, it tells, for example, the OEM, the car manufacturer, your cars are too expensive. For example, it it says there's not enough infrastructure. So that tells companies like ours and others in our industry we need more, and it tells the government we need support to get more infrastructure out. We need quicker charging. So it's it's an intelligence report for all of us and we share it with the industry. Sure, sure. Um, so again, wh- one of the
0: things that I think is curious about where we are with the electric vehicle revolution um, is the fact that it is predominantly, we're talking here predominantly about new cars. So is there anything in there about used cars? Because I think there are people both both in with vested interest, their business is probably related to used vehicles, uh, or they are people thinking of, well, I'd like an EV, yeah, who wouldn't? Um, but but it would have to be a used EV because that's in, naturally going to be cheaper. Is there
1: much in there about used vehicles? It's more based on uh, new, new vehicles. Um, but having said that, uh, used vehicles are a very important part of EVs going forward. I think the main problem, if I just refer to the UK, we've got half a million EVs on the road here, and it's the proportion of used cars to that 500,000 that's important. I don't know what it would be, let's assume it's 10%. The main problem with that is that there simply aren't enough used cars on the road and therefore right. the price of those used cars isn't attracting people to come into that market.
2: Mm. Mm. Yeah.
0: So again thinking of uh, you know we, we promised people three facts uh, and, and so I'm looking at the first fact barrier to adoption the price for an EV is too high. Yeah. Within that what's quite interesting is nearly half of the population say their intention for the next vehicle is going to be An electric one but obviously that's that's great to have that intention you know my intention when i was younger was to have a rolls royce one day i still haven't got one um so 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 i suppose what's intriguing now about this is if how can we match people's you know intention or aspiration whatever you want to call it with reality have you got any feel for that yet in terms of what you've heard in the report
1: well i think uh, i think what people want to see are the price of EVs coming down. That's that's the important thing. And, uh, you know, they want to drive one, but they want to see them at an acceptable budget. So the things that are uh, at the moment, the barriers to cheaper electric vehicles are the battery, for example, um, the production, not enough being produced. So we're not getting scale economy, for example, and we also want range. So therefore we want bigger batteries and by having bigger batteries, the car gets more expensive so these are these are issues that are preventing the cars coming down and allowing access to people like you and me perhaps buying those cars at an acceptable price, let's say twenty to thirty thousand for example, as opposed to forty to sixty thousand mm. um, where lots of people buy vehicles so mm. that barrier is 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 within uh, the monitor mm. What about within this in terms of some of the answers uh around subsidy
0: around support for electric vehicles because there's varying mechanisms around the world that operate this. Whether it's you know some things in China even to do with basically being able to have a car, you know, having access to a license plate, and then in the United States, certainly that was kicked off in California, the kind of uh, ZEV credit proposition um, that quote gave a certain quota to manufacturers. So I think Tesla burnt through theirs fairly quickly. Um, that's not the wrong turn of phrase, uh, and and obviously then in different parts of Europe you've either got currently or, or you've had and they've gone incentives. What what came out of the report in terms of people saying yeah it's too expensive but you know the government should help me etc cetera, etc cetera, or whatever or
1: incentivizers. So the the government obviously have helped in the past as you know they were giving discounts off cars or supporting them against new cars that's now gone. The, the way that the government are supporting now is around infrastructure. So mm. for example, there's a £1.5 billion uh, government subsidy that will support 300,000 public charges by 2030. So they've shifted the way that they support really onto the adoption of charging infrastructure, public infrastructure. That right. is generally the way they're doing it right now. And they're, I think what they're doing is uh, pushing the OEM to manufacture scale in order to produce the price down. And that effectively is what comes out of the report really. So in the UK particularly, I'm referring to that in terms of subsidies, on the continent there's obviously different types of subsidy as per each country. Um, So I can't go into each country's subsidies because I'm not familiar with them, but for sure all of the countries are very keen in all of their uh, carbon reduction plans and their road to zero they're all uh, subsidizing in one way or another.
3: Hmm.
4: Hmm.
1: It's
0: interesting. So, so I should know this, but I'm going to ask because I don't know. That
1: 4,000 people, are we are We talking about the whole of Europe? We're we just talking UK here, we, France, uh, Netherlands, UK and Germany. So the majority of the larger uh, countries in, okay. in Europe. So we're not talking about, for example, the Nordics and places like that. OK,
0: because you, you're alluding to some of the incentives there, which obviously we're both in the UK, so so we're quite f- familiar with how they've come and gone and changed it, et cetera. And uh, I, I know a little bit about some of the other countries, but but not a lot. But I think this is a moot point with a lot of people. Should you subsidize what is currently a relatively expensive product, an electric vehicle for what will typically be, you know, relatively well off people? Is that the right thing to do rather than maybe putting A lot of that money incentive into infrastructure, even if, you know, you're building the infrastructure before there's all those big volumes of EVs there because, because, you know, and we'll come on to infrastructure because that, in fact, let's come on to it now. So the second fact in terms of what came out of the report was four out of 10 EV drivers believe the charging infrastructure in their country uh, they live in is not sufficient enough. Can you give us a bit more? granular detail in that. What does that mean? Is that where they're located? Is that reliability? What what, what came out of the survey, Jonathan?
1: Well, they, there isn't enough. You're absolutely right. They're saying in the survey, generally, it's one of the biggest resistors because people are worried about range. They're worried yeah. about vehicles not being able to get from here to your holiday location, for example. So. Um, i come back to the UK because the market, as you say, I we know well. Uh, so there's 32,500 public chargers in the UK, and out of those, around 6,500 of those are rapid or ultra-rapid. One of the problems that we've got is quite a lot of those chargers, I'm not talking about huge numbers, but quite a lot of those chargers mm. don't work particularly well um, because they're unreliable, it's all technology, mm. uh, they've been vandalised, a number of different reasons why they don't, or they're very slow chargers. So, You could say that if you did a survey of all of those, and we haven't done that, of course, you would find out that it's not good enough. And that's why the government have to get involved in completely subsidizing and boosting the number of public charges out there. That's why they're going for 300,000 by 2030 in order to get that kind of scale. Hmm. On the rapid charges, just one final point on this, Um, the majority of those are 50 kilowatt charges. So they are they're not ultra rapid. They're not 100 to 200 or 350 kilowatt really quick charges. They're relatively slow when you compare them now to the new batteries that are coming out on the newer vehicles, let's say 60 to 70 kilowatt batteries. Hmm.
0: It's it, it's becoming a challenging picture, isn't it? And and yeah. and, I, and and I think um, I, I personally, I felt. I mean, we want to listen to what what the respondents put, not not what I I think, but I, I do think putting. Subsidy into the infrastructure is the fundamental, really, uh, unless you're putting it into buses uh, and, and taxes. But that, that's another, another B in yeah. my bonnet, Jonathan, to, to be honest with you. Um, so, so look, I, I, I've got a few questions here I made, I made a note of when I was going through the report myself. Incidentally, if you're a regular viewer, you know that we will be bringing questions in from the audience. But what I thought we'd do, because there's quite a lot of stuff to go through here is spend, you know, 25 minutes or something before we do that, but we will be going to your questions and we will be bringing you on the stage if you're comfortable um, in doing that. But let's just sort of break something down a bit. You've got three, I've got an EV, you've got an EV. We know there are three places you charge, you charge at home, which is typically what most people do. Yeah. You can charge at work if that's a facility you've got when you, you go to a workplace or you can charge on the public charger. Um, what are the kind of most desired public charging locations? What, what came out? Of, did you ask that question in the survey and, and what came out? I'm, I'm looking at some of my notes on what came out about how do I deal with being out and about once my car's charged and maybe I'm going two or 300 miles and going on holiday, going on a long business trip, et cetera. Uh, w- what came out
1: of the survey on that, Jonathan? Well, again, you know, people, as you say, most people, 70% of people charge at home and they accept that. The the charging on the route is the critical thing here. People are not happy that they can't charge quickly en route to places, and that seems to be the main bugbear in all countries. They they want more charges and they want faster charging. So particularly, you know, they want to be able to get in and within half an hour, put a couple of hundred miles or a couple of hundred kilometers, let's say, um, into their vehicles. So that that was the biggest um, barrier. Um, at work, um, they they're saying that they. They would like more charging. It's more attractive for them as a, an employer. If they join a company that's offering EVs or EV charging facilities, they, they like that, uh, particularly, but generally it's people are assessed with speed of charging. That's interesting. And I think the reason for that is that we've developed a very highly sophisticated fueling system, you know, called fuel and fuel like diesel and petrol. You can put 400 miles in, in what four or five minutes. And yeah. you know we're not there yet with with ultra fast charging. Although let's face it, it's improved hugely.
0: Yeah. Well, well, obviously the energy density of the fuel there. There's you know there's sort of laws of physics and sort of science yeah. Uh, yeah. at work there. But just picking on that point, I think the intriguing thing you hear is if it's a workplace charging environment, it doesn't need that speed because you're at work for the day. You know yeah. you're going at whatever time you're leaving later on that day you would have thought and and i don't know if it's come out in any other survey in any kind of explanation that workplace charging could and should be you know enhanced as best as possible because that gives the best flexibility of people maybe who don't have home charging and you can you know you don't have you're not being driven by this fixation on on charging in you know 10 minutes 20 minutes half an hour you can maybe rotate vehicles around a company car park and charge them charge them that way. Did
1: any of that come out in the report? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot more charging now, certainly when I look at this one and compare it to the previous one, which was the 2020 version. Um, When when I look at that now, there is a lot more charging um, at 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 workplace. And what's interesting about that is, um, if I think back when I first started this business five years ago, you would probably find one or two charging points at the front of an office, which is nearly always the chief executive or chairman, who had a Tesla? <laughs> and yeah. now what we're seeing is a completely different thing. We're seeing, uh, in one particular case, we've got one one customer at the moment, for example, who's bought a hundred chargers, a hundred chargers for their car park. Wow! So you know, this is not only for their staff to charge, but it's also for them to deliver their service. So we are seeing a very big upgrade in some companies. Can't say all because they're not all, but that gives you an example of where business is going.
0: Yeah, now here's a thorny issue um, that maybe some of what came out in the survey can, can can help us with. You know, energy demand is increasing, energy supply is being challenged. We know there are some massively tricky geopolitical issues right now. I mean, I think without being explicit, people know what what, what I'm talking about. Um so what about grid expansion and grid enhancements to, to manage this increased um, vehicle park of electric vehicles that may be charging overnight at home. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's kind of steady flow. But more of the public charging and workplace charging, where does it sit in, t- in terms of grid connections, grid access,
1: etc. To to all of that? I think this is probably the most interesting uh, problem uh, that we've all mm. got now because it's quite clear we all can't come home and plug in at 6.30 and expect to get charged up. Mm. Um, the new uh, smart charging uh, regulations, both in the UK and in Europe, by the way, uh, they're starting now to uh, to default charging at off-peak times. So they don't want you charging uh, typically at between, say, four and eight in the evening. Uh, so this is obviously coming home at night. But in during working time, they're wanting to take you off-peak. So typically, let's say eleven till about three in the afternoon, and they also want you to charge at a you know a fairly steady rate. They don't want to see you charging quickly. So ideally, they'd like to sit there, as you were mentioning earlier, Roger, let's say at 3.7 kilowatt charge nice and yeah. slowly and top up. Um, so that's, it's very important to, to the grid that we look after it. So charging off peak, charging at night, charging slower, you don't need to charge quickly. And you, if you're there seven, eight hours, if you're sleeping, for example, so that's, that's a super important time. Um, and also we need to, you know, look at other things. So, you know, solar needs to play a part in charging vehicles as well going forward. So Mm -hmm. businesses who have got office space, for example, have got a nice big roof, put some solar on it, and obviously subsidize your your, your charging of your vehicles, particularly if you've got a delivery service. Mm -hmm. So I think think, um, the grid is a worry. Um, We don't need to build a bigger grid. We need to be much more efficient about the way that we do it, because I'm led to believe there's still plenty of power off-peak.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I definitely get that as well. And of course, around Europe, it, around the world, it varies tremendously in terms of what that um, within that grid, what the CO2 uh, content is yeah, in okay. countries like Norway, countries like um, Sweden, countries like Iceland, France, even with a lot of nuclear power, and unless it goes offline because of because of other reasons. Um, yeah, that clean energy capacity is in, in there, which is really good. But I think your point's very well made. And I know it came out in some of the analysis that it's, it's, it's about having a smart, intelligent grid. And it's about that whole thing of managing so well supply and demand that's like almost any commodity you can think of electric vehicles and charging them up is no different is it really not be a surprise at all um, so i tell you what i'm going to have a look at who we've uh who's joined us today so i'm going to say hello to a few people mathis from belgium um it's here emil, uh, emil from sweden emily from sweden sorry emil. um carl from oxfordshire uh, Madeline, Ray, Linda Grave. Oh, I know Linda, she's very smart. She knows this stuff really well. Uh, Mikkel Ernst. Um, yeah, a a good, a good number of people. So here's a question. Let's see if I can, I know Linda would like to come on stage. Let's see if I can invite and get Linda on stage. Linda Grave knows her, knows stuff by the way. So, um, there you are linda you're joining us so this is this is definitely what we like to do jonathan we did, <laughs> did references. reference good afternoon how are you i am well can you hear me <laughs> we can't see you we, you can hear you linda but we can okay. hear you so don't worry about the camera if that's fiddly at the moment but uh, yeah welcome to the discussion have you got a question for jonathan or, or anything about the survey about the monitor
3: no i mean i was in the chat there and thank you very much uh for that roger nice to see you again um i was really i was thinking about this residual value more than anything of the electric vehicles at the moment and having seen that my car itself you know sold for the same price that i bought it for are we actually going to see a used ev market the way we need to 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 make it accessible to all because you you mentioned that roger about you know once we get this second-hand market going then because at the moment they're too pricey for for most people to have. Yes. And are we going to see a change in the way people purchase? You know, are we going to end up buying them because we see that they're a valuable asset at the moment? And how long will this last? You know, are we looking at, because what should I have bought this time rather than, uh, you know, gone for a contract hire? Linda, I think this is a massively important and
0: interesting question. Um, So Jonathan's going to know, going to have a better answer than I have. Um, Jonathan, would you mind me asking, Jonathan, uh, you've got an electric vehicle. Have you
1: bought it, leased it, or what have you done with it? So, Linda, that's a really good question. So, I'm using a a subscription provider called Onto. Uh, uh, Yeah, yeah. no, got no no interest in Onto, but I I find the service very good. Mm. Um, Concept here is you pay uh, just a month up front. So, they obviously are mainly electric vehicles and it, you can lease, so I've got an ID3, for example, VW, perfectly okay, and costs are all in, so I don't have to worry about insurances and things like that. So I think the, the price is about 560 something like that. Mm. The interesting thing about this is a fixed cost. There's no long-term obligation for it. Of course, I have no residual value, but there again, I'm in control of my costs. So yeah. that's an attractive proposition. And uh, the other thing coming to your model, and congratulations for selling it. That is impressive. <laughs> I think um, <laughs> but I think that's also influenced by the second hand car market currently, which is very hot. And that's obviously because it was a really big problem manufacturing new cars generally. And it's kept the price of second hand cars very high. So I think that's certainly effect. But I think the point you make, though, is we need to get more used cars into the system. And the yes. only way we're going to do that is to manufacture a lot more EVs, mm. a lot more. So we're mm. not there yet. Mm. Yeah, Ray, Ray Moore made the same observation. But by the way,
0: um, to, to what Jonathan's just said there, this quite bizarre world that we've had for a while of used vehicle prices, not just for EVs, um, just going completely the other way because of the challenges with the supply of any vehicle because of the chip shortage and the like but but i think you raise you know a, a very good point and i think if we do see more of a shift towards using vehicles and not not owning vehicles you've got me worried now actually linda because because i've just bought a car so i'm thinking well have oh, I, I think you've the done right the right thing. Decision?
3: Oh, have I? Oh, I hope so. I think so because I can't. I mean, I think particularly if it's got a longer range. You know, my first one was was a twenty four kilowatt Nissan Leaf. Then I, I stepped up to a thirty kilowatt, and then I, uh, then I went to the Tesla Model Three. Um, but I haven't really lost much on any of them uh, because there were, the demand was there. In fact, the thirty kilowatt one was sadly stolen off somebody's drive once they bought it. There was clearly a very big demand for those. <laughs> um, but. I think because we, we are going to see this shortage surely for, for quite a bit longer in those cars coming to market. So the residual values yeah. ought to hold. Uh, I, I don't know that it helps those that need to get in the market with the secondhand market. I think that's where we're going to have a problem. I think you're right, but but listen, thank you for coming on and raising such an important topic.
0: Uh, thank a, you for asking me. Question. Well, my, my, it's our pleasure. It's what we do. This is the idea of this platform. <laughs> we like it that way. So so thanks for now. Please don't, you know, don't leave now. We've done with the question. But um, um, for now, Linda, lovely to talk to you again. And you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks. thanks. Thank you. So. Uh, Jonathan, um, here's a question. I'm conscious that there could be some people listening in who haven't got an EV. They do want to know what EV drivers really, really want. So fast charging, rapid charging, ultra fast charging, level three charging, DC charging. That's a lot there. But what's (laughs) the difference, Jonathan? Can can you just give us a quick layman's sense of. Yeah, uh, why isn't it just charging?
1: Why are there so many terms? It's it's yeah. It's the trouble with our industry is it can be very technical at times, and actually we don't need to do it like that. We should dumb it down a little bit. But generally at home you will normally charge between three point seven kilowatt and seven. So this is three point seven is very slow in my opinion, uh, charging, particularly if you've got a large battery. So probably to fully charge probably could take you. 12 to 16 hours, depending on the size of it, something like a Tesla. Then you have a, a 7.4, so it's a slightly bigger charger, a slightly more powerful charger that you get, again, at home. Most people will have that if, they've got, if they're lucky enough to have a house with a driveway, and that will charge your car in about between four and seven hours, let's say, so overnight charging. Hmm. So that is, yeah, that that is what I would call slow and fast charging at home. When you go out and you're on the road, if you're going to go to a public charger or perhaps you're at work, then generally charging will go from 7.4 kilowatt up to 22 kilowatts. So again, it's, it's increasing the speed in which you can charge the vehicle. Caveat here is whether the vehicle can physically take more power. In other words, on single phase, 7.4, it may say, now that's enough. I can't take any more. That's it. Uh, that's the way the battery operates. Hmm. Um, um, some vehicles, and actually in continental Europe, most of those countries have 22 kilowatts at home. They have three phase power. So they can take a more powerful or faster charge. So they're fortunate, but we don't unfortunately have that here. We have single phase home charging. So at work, you can have three phase charging if you're fortunate enough. And if your car will also take it and that will charge your car perhaps in, in, in about four hours. But again, I would always advise you to charge slower. When you get out on the road and you're on the way somewhere, you might find a 50 kilowatt charger. So again, this is going to charge even faster, perhaps takes you an hour to fully charge your battery. Or if you're really lucky, you'll find one of the super new ones that are charging 150 plus and they'll charge the car in about half an hour. So that's, I'm sorry if that's quite complicated, but that's actually. No, the way it's it is. not. Com- yeah. No, I asked yeah. the question and, yeah. and,
0: and I think it's useful. And of course, the other bit to the co- side of the coin is some cars can charge at 350 but only a handful. I think Porsche, Taycan, can. I think there's a set of others. Yes. Um, so, so it, it varies. And the one thing I would like to say to anybody who is kind of new to it is, Don't be alarmed by all of this. And yes, it's different and not as simple as just shoving some petrol or or diesel in in your vehicle. But it's like all things, you know, once you get your head around it and understand it, 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 it's better because I definitely want to come on to ask you about the difference between perception and reality. In other words, if you have and are familiar with an EV, you have, you know, that's your reality. So that's one set of, you know, uh, opinions and, and thoughts that you have. And then there's perception, which is you hear stuff about people with an EV and you maybe have a different set of th- thoughts, etc. But I just wanna read something I've, I've read in my notes about in the report, EV drivers want rapid charging. It says 32% of EV drivers use fast charging at least once a month. However, an equal number never use it. Service stops, fuel stations are the most common place for fast charging, fuel retail, supermarkets, shopping uh, malls. I'm surprised that 49% say supermarkets, because in my experience of supermarkets who are putting in these free, well, sometimes it's great. They're free Free, chargers. Free, yeah. They're definitely not fast. The the most they'll do 11 if you were really lucky, but they're they're typically 7 point something, aren't they? So that's curious that half of the people, you know, saw that that the the supermarkets were offering that. Any
1: thoughts on that? Yeah, I might chip in there because most people's daily uh, mileage is about 20 miles. So if you're going to the supermarket and you're charging at seven point four, you might go to your shopping for the week and then have a coffee. You've probably got, you know, maybe fifty, sixty miles in. And if it's free, and I think I know which brands you're talking about, um, of those chargers, then that's a very nice thing to have. So you much yes. prefer to go and get free power than go and spend money on an expensive rapid charger. Well, exactly. Um,
0: so here's another question which I quite like. From Mattis, Mattis Barron. Oh, in fact, I tell you what, let's see if we can get Mattis on the stage. Let's get another person on the stage. It's not always feasible. I know sometimes people are busy or they're they're at work or, or they they just don't want to do it, which is fine. Um, but I'm hoping that Mattis, who's in Belgium, by the way, Jonathan, okay. um, can join us on stage. Yet, yeah, looks like that's going to happen. So, Mattis, good good afternoon. Good where afternoon. Are you in, where are you in Belgium, Mattis? Um,
2: I'm actually not in Belgium. I'm in France, uh, close to Brittany, friends. Actually. Oh, okay. Very good. Yes.
0: Very good. Awesome. You, you've got a very good question. I haven't asked Jonathan. I thought I'd let you do it, Mattis. So please fire away.
2: Yes, I had a question regarding the price of uh, uh, to charge basically the the electric vehicle compared to the refill of the, the, the the an ICE. Uh, I would like to know the benefits uh, of it. Because uh, today, uh, as we understand, the price of uh, the oil is uh, reaching two euros in France. And I would like to understand because today the, the EV costs effectively uh, more versus an IC. And maybe for the customer today, the only benefit of buying an EV would be that it doesn't have to refill it with oil. So maybe he, he thinks that he will make a benefit on the, the charging station. So. What's the difference in terms of price, basically, versus...
1: Uh... So, so, Matthew, this is really about total cost of ownership as well. Yeah. So, not just about the cost of the vehicle when you buy it or lease it, it's also, if you have it for three years, what is going to be the, the cost? So, I will come back to the question in a minute. But the question really is about um, what else do I have to pay for when I buy and run an electric car? So, you have service costs, but you don't have... Oily parts, so you don't have a transmission, a gearbox or anything like that to worry about. It's just tires and and those types of things. You don't have to worry about the same type of servicing costs. And the cost of the electricity is way below cost of fuel, especially at the moment. So you're saying, what's the difference between a full tank of gas? Um, I'm I'm struggling with how much it would be in euros, but it depends on the vehicle. Let's say it's 100 to, to 110 euros a full tank, something like that. You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong there. Uh, when you're talking, and it depends obviously on the size of the tank and the miles you're going to do. But to give you, um, an, an idea, it would probably cost somewhere in the region of about 20 to 25 euros to do about the same. Okay. So to give you an idea in terms of cost, I have to do it in mile that we'd have to convert it mothers. But in terms of, uh, the cost at the moment, we're looking at about 19 to 20 pence a mile using diesel. And it's around about six to eight. Hence, a mile for electricity. Okay, okay so it's very significantly less.
2: Um, yeah, because I have the thing that today customers or even uh, people who are um, hesitating in buying an EV, they don't know about it. They don't know about the price of the, the electricity. And if companies would communicate about it, it would be, uh, I think, uh, a
1: big yeah, you, you raise a very important point because most people have no clue how much they pay per kilowatt hour. Yes. So I can tell you at home I'm paying about now about 25 pence a kilowatt, mm-hmm. something like that at home. Uh, when you charge on public highways, it's going to be a lot more expensive. It was about 35 to 40. I think it's gone up. If you yeah. use ultra rapids, you're talking 60, 70, 80 pence. So it's a lot more money, but it's still a lot cheaper than it would be. For
0: yeah, okay. I mean, M- M- Mattis, th- thanks for your question. And I think you illustrate the point, as Jonathan says, that we do need better education of this, but be- be- better yeah. public awareness of yeah. this. It's typically I would have said around a third of, of the price. And yes, the capital cost of the EV. It is a lot more, but you take that whole life cost. And especially if you're a business operator or your fleet operator or you deliver company cars to people, and especially if you've got high mileage drivers, you know, Really, the, the electric vehicle proposition now is a compelling case. You know, it, it it is, but you need to show people the numbers. You need to show them the facts yeah. and figures. It's not just waving mm-hmm. a nice green flag. Definitely. Um, mm-hmm. So, so, well, that, merci, merci bien. Thank you for your question. And, um, <laughs> I don't know why it says you're from Belgium when you're in France, but
2: either way, you're <laughs> no, Well, this is where I walk from. I walk from Belgium, but uh...
0: got it. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Thank, merci, you. thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Um okay so that was another good question. Um one thing by the way you mentioned the Europeans have three phase um yeah. and we don't have three phase in the UK. Yeah. Is that because of Brexit Jonathan? Did we lose it then? I'm only joking. Yeah we lost
1: we lost two phases when we of the channel that's the problem. Yeah yeah.
0: yeah. Um <laughs> let go go back to charging again because this I think is really important. Given how long it can take up to you know how it can take to fill a tank as you were talking earlier compared to filling it up with petrol. How do we solve this? You know, waiting 20 minutes, even 20 minutes, which in relative terms to put a, you know, a lot of energy into a battery isn't that long. It's it's annoying for people, especially thinking about it from the current experience of five minutes. Yeah, How are we gonna deal with that transition? How are we gonna
1: bring that group of people over, Jonathan? It's very simple. We've just had a great example of knowledge. So it's about education so you don't necessarily charge an electric vehicle in the same way as you go to a fuel station and fill a tank up yeah so the great thing about electric vehicles is you can charge the car overnight whilst you're sleeping or when you're at work uh, or when you're you're out somewhere playing sports something like that so you don't have to worry about it the main thing is to charge often so go in you plug in you find a charger and most people like me you'll have a routine You know, for example, where the charges are. You know where to charge. So if I'm not at home, I know other places I can charge. Just the same as if I was driving a petrol vehicle, I'd know where the fuel stations are. So I don't feel the need that I have to have, for example, a petrol can at home because I'm worried about running out of fuel. You learn to manage it. Uh, The Mm. second thing is that the electric vehicles themselves are very clever at telling you how many miles they've got and also where you can go and charge. So if Mm. you're in an unfamiliar area, you can go and find a, a charging station around there. So from that perspective, it's way more intelligent and it's about change and it's, it's you know, people embracing this change. Yeah, so 4,000 people are asked all these questions. Fantastic report put together
0: by Ipsos and, and, and yourselves. Um, and these are EV drivers. So given some of the questions that we've had and your general knowledge of, of the market, et cetera, how much of a gap is there between this you know reality when you know it because you you use one and the perception is with the majority of people in every single country because uh, unless you live in norway um, or a couple of other you know specific locations you are still in the minority if you drive an yeah. ev how do we bridge this gap how, how do we how do we Without, you know, giving people the experience, how how are we going to help people see the reality of it rather than have this quite often false perception that the thing's all a complete nightmare and complicated and time consuming? And oh, my God, you know,
1: if you look at the server, actually, it says that majority of people, it's something like 75 percent of people who actually drive an electric vehicle will have another electric vehicle. Okay, so once you're in them, you like them, you get used to them. The definitely the perception is that we hear bad news. So, you know, high price, uh, you're going to run out of uh, of power, therefore, you you know, you're going to be stranded somewhere. Yep. And it's that fear of the unknown and fear of change. And, you know, I have friends who say, oh, I would like to get one, but um, I'm just thinking about getting a hybrid. And say, said, no, 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 don't get a hybrid. That's yesterday's technology. Go for it. Get one. You'll love it. And and this is this is a problem. We're still kind of clinging onto the to the blanket, the Nunu blanket, you know, the the child yeah. blanket at home. We we have to met, change our mindset and leap of faith into it. But we, Roger, we have to educate people, and that's the thing. People don't understand it, and I, like you, spend a lot of time explaining to people that don't drive electric cars what is it really like and how does it work.
0: Right. So so th- this intrigues me now because this mobility monitor. Has asked a lot of people these detailed questions. Uh, I, I've seen it. I'm going to put up a link to it. So if you haven't seen it yet and you're watching, you're going to get access to it. But, but what do you hope that's going to do? How can we put that in the right environment? How do we get, you know, the right people to look at that policy makers, company owners who maybe are considering switching fleets to EVs, all that sort of thing? How, you know, how do we use this, you know, monitor
1: to, to effect change? in your well, mind for a start doing things like this okay. so we need to have platforms for it we need to to push this out to media and to get people start to talk about it and give the counter arguments as the reasons why uh, for example that the infrastructure is changing and mm. uh, why the speed of charge is changing because the technology be it out there charging it or the cars themselves are also improving because they're way better than they were five years ago uh, and and the prices are reducing because the battery prices are starting to come down. Yes, uh, indeed. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions from the audience
0: myself because it takes a little bit of time to bring people on. Um, Emily Lindholm um, doesn't say where from. Uh, what's your most? What was the most surprising find
1: in the report? Um, I I still think that people asking or using a barrier to. Uh, rapid charging is a bit of a concern because we don't need to, 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 to ultra rapid charge vehicles. That's my view. We need to regularly charge them. So I found that quite odd. Um, we're asking a lot of people, you know, 4,000 middle odd people, but I found it strange that they would raise that one as being a barrier. I could understand other things, range anxiety. I could understand that. Right. But I found that a bit strange. Yeah, I, I understand why they want to charge quick. But actually, you just don't need to, as I've already explained. Uh, and another one, I like this one from Dean Hayward.
0: Dean says, "In so given what you've heard and read in, in the document, in five to 10 years, where do you see the most demand coming from? Home charging or workplace charging or DC charging hubs, public
1: charging hubs? Um, I think workplace and destination, let's call it charging, those two areas. So when I say destination, I'm talking about cinema, airports those types of places probably car parks i think that's got a very very long way to go i think home charging has its challenges and what i mean by that is that not everybody has a driveway for example uh and and also if you if you're living in terrace houses we still got to solve that problem it's not yet solved so i would say that you know as i say destination charging workplace charging business charging is the big one i think the the rapid not so rapid will get I think this, within three to five years, I think it will be completely workable. Uh, there's so many hubs planned now, there's hundreds of them planned. So I think quite quickly we'll get on top of it. And then it will develop as a, a pricing wall, I'll describe it. So whereby it's almost like the, the, uh, the garage system we've got at the moment, you know that the fuel at that station is cheaper than one 15 miles away, for example, and it'll be the same mm-hmm. with charging hubs. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Did, did uh, I don't work for them. I know
0: the guy who set it up. There's a company called Cocharger. Did, did that pop up in the survey tool? Were they referenced? Do you know what they are? Well, I'll, t- I'll, I'll, tell you. I don't, you I don't know. know. Please. Yeah. Correct. Cocharger is, um, a, a little UK company that I think could get a lot bigger. And basically what it does, it's like Airbnb, but for home charging. In oh, other right. words, you can, give people access to your home charger when you're not using it, obviously. Um, and so for a lot of people like myself, you know, I only charge up my car at home probably, I dunno, twice a week, um, cause of my driving style and patterns, etc. Um, so the rest of the time, I have a charger there, which I could use. Now, if you know, some people around the corner don't have a drive, um, but have an EV, they could use my charger you know so cocharger is a is airbnb for um 3v charger which i really like have a look at it if you've not seen it i think it's really cool sounds great yeah i I think so um i'm going to risk getting one more person up on stage and i'm going to see if claire claire ford can join us oh um she's going to join us that's good so i won't ask claire's question i'll let her do it then we're going to work towards having a bit of a wrap up for the last you know five six seven minutes um so claire welcome to our discussion good afternoon how are you
4: i'm good thank you how are you
0: very well, thank you. Well, there you are. There's Jonathan. He's at your disposal. Um, please I'm ask him a question. or make your point, Claire. I'll leave no, it No, to no, no.
4: Um, I know Jonathan very well, actually. Okay, uh, I work, work with him in the same office. Oh, <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah. Right. Um, but I actually work in the after-sales um, side of the business. So I don't actually work in sales. I work in the after-sales uh, side of the business for EVBox. And uh, it's very much, um, and, uh, as I said in my statement, actually, Ian, you charge a car very much like you do your mobile phone. So most of us now have got into the habit of charging our phone uh, while we sleep um, or while we're working or we're not using it. Um, and you do that very much the same way with your electric car. And it, it gets to the point where, yes, if you do get caught unawares, that's where a DC charge would be the most useful. Um, and you would find then that a quick half an hour 45 minute charge will then get you through to the rest of the day before you go home and charge and that kind of thing or very often you'll find that people are charging at work while they're working and um, you have the work p- workplace charging um, there are some regions where it's actually encouraged and the company will do that and reimburse you for it um especially when you have a company car um so yeah it's uh I, there's a lot of people that say, "Oh, you know, I have range anxiety," and I started out in the industry about three years ago. Um, actually, Jonathan hired me to be honest. Um, and when I first started, everyone was like, "Oh no, it will never last. It will never like clock on, or nobody, it will never take up. It's the beta version of cards," and I'm going my age now. Um, and uh, And now when I I say to people, I know I work in the EV industry, everyone says, oh, it's a really good industry to be in. And and you've found, actually, that the attitude towards EV charging and EV driving has changed immensely. But you do still have this misconception that, oh, you know, there's a lack of infrastructure or, you know, there's not enough um, uh, charging availability throughout um, the United Kingdom, for instance. Um, I would say there's definitely a lack of um, infrastructure the further up north you go, but that's more a lack of um, home charging. But that's actually not necessarily true in terms of in terms of public charging. From sure. my um, research and understanding, public charging in in the north is actually very good and the uptake is great. The infrastructure is there. And um, you have the West Yorkshire um, Council project as well, where they've actually installed charging stations throughout the regions. And um, the only reason that the residential market in the northern areas are lower than perhaps in the southern areas is actually because more terraced housing, so less um, off-road parking available. Yes. Um, but that's where you actually see the DC charging being given more of an uptake from sure, my perspective. Sure. But also research shows it as well. So.
0: Well, well, look. Claire, that's that's been fantastic, and and I'm very happy that you've come on it and you work at EV Box. It's like it's like a fam. It may, it's making it sound like a family business, <laughs> which is which is
4: really nice. Well, um, I have to say, yeah, and and I you know it's afforded me a lot of um, chance to grow. I actually started working in uh, sales operations with Jonathan. I've actually moved over into after sales and um, and the repair and refurbishment side of the business. So there's there's Great. always a chance to grow in EV Box as an so ever expanding industry. Well, so.
0: Great. Well thank you so much for joining thank us. You're more than welcome. So so there you are. Cheers. Thanks. Okay. See you again Claire.
4: Thanks.
0: So um well look that was that was fascinating. Um yeah. I didn't know you knew Claire there to be it doesn't say anything about EV Box on the chat so everyone else can see that. So I wasn't picking on someone because because they were uh, they were there, but I think Claire was making some very important points there. Yeah. Before she joined three years ago, her sense of it was, oh my God, no, no way, you know, this yeah. is whatever. So what I'm gathering from some of our uh, callers, some of what's in the report for sure is that there is a huge gulf between perception and reality. Yes. Um. So as you say, we need forums like this to discuss it. We need to get the material out there but you know jonathan can you kind of give us a little kind of summary if you like of what should happen next in your view to deal with just that issue of awareness you know publicity etc with government uh with 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 the market with companies etc and with individuals can you kind of go through maybe
1: some of the stuff well, I think governments well, are doing a lot. But yeah, I mean, I, I, in terms of perception, I think a lot of it is the industry itself. But I think if we just start with the government, the, the government are doing a lot already. I mean, you could argue they're not doing enough, but they are, they're doing plenty because they're driven by this this target they've got in terms of stopping selling um, any new um, uh, combustion engine vehicles after 2030 and plug-in mm-hmm. hybrids after 2035. So they're driving that change and it's pushing people. We need to push people into this new technology. Now, there's two ways to do it. You either the carrot or the stick. Obviously, the stick is you can't buy one after the end of 2030 or 2035. The carrot is, it's still quite reasonable to charge cars. Obviously, when you're out the road, there's some free charging. There were some excellent benefits, whether or not, a couple of years ago for uh, for Teslas and things like that. They've gone, so they've shifted it on to um infrastructure charging now um uh, in terms of people i think word of mouth is very powerful i think uh, i noticed i i have an electric vehicle both of my neighbors have electric vehicles mm. as well and they love them and and i was really surprised when these people went out and got them independently didn't ask me just went and got them and um i was really impressed with that and they love them so i think word of mouth is very powerful i think forums like this as i already explained um, getting onto media, um, talking to people about range anxiety, which, you know, is a, is a real fear. It's a real phobia out there for people to persuade them that this is, this is not something that's going to cause them such horrible grief in their life when they miss a train because they haven't got enough power. Hmm. Claire mentioned one important point there about mobile phones. So I'm, yeah. I'm a bit older and I remember mobile phones when they were the size of a house brick. Uh, the batteries were anyway and you had to carry the thing around and you just look at your shoulder it was so heavy um like mini suitcases I and remember they, those as well yeah and they were they cost a fortune when they first came out yeah. and gradually as everyone has seen they've got smaller and better and faster the batteries have you know I remember the batteries lasting three hours rather charge obviously it depends on how new your phone is but they will they will comfortably charge uh, last a day two days now without being shot. I think that that's where we're going to be going with electric vehicles. So I think from a personal perspective, that's fine. On a business perspective, it's financial. You know, it's total cost of ownership. It's cost per mile. And it does make big sense to look at this. Um, Big swathes of fleet will save a huge amount of money. Uh, If you look at leasing costs now, they are very similar leasing costs to a, a combustion engine vehicle. There's no reason why not to get one of these now.
0: Yeah, I, I, I agree. And it, it, interestingly, you know, your, your, your analogy there about um, those big old mobile phones. The other thing about that time, and we're talking the early eighties because Jonathan and I are both ancient um, for any of the younger <laughs> people, sorry, Jonathan. What um, was that the mobile um, connection system that the masts, you know, the network uh, was pretty sparse as well. You know, to begin with, in the very early 1980s in the UK, it was basically from the city of London up the M4 into the weld heeled suburbs right. of the Surrey and the like. Um, but then as the masts, as those cells were built out and you had, you know, coverage nationally, that then enabled people to have mobile phones all over the country and for it to work successfully in that system. So it's interesting you brought that up because I think that it is quite analogous to the kind of chicken and egg thing, you know, the yin and yang, the two kind of things together, that, that initially it's a bit wobbly to begin with. People think, oh, why bother? I don't want a mobile phone. There isn't a phone mast, you know, within 300 miles of where I live. Yes, that's how it starts. But over time, it progresses to this place then where um, it shakes down, the market finds its place, the dynamics of you know supply and demand and and where there's a market and profitability,
1: you know, companies come in and, and make things happen. Uh, there's there's one quick one, Roger. I, I yep. was I was in Cornwall last week and I drove and stopped at Exeter service station. There were originally three or four 50 kilowatt chargers that didn't work particularly well before. Uh, and now that it's been taken over by, um, electric highway. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I went there recently, I counted 12, uh, I think there were 12 ultra rapids and also there were, there were think about 16 to 18 Tesla chargers there. So that is now a really, really strong charging hub. Whereas before it wasn't. And obviously in terms of connecting Cornwall together with electric cars, it's fantastic.
0: Well, it needed to happen, quite frankly, because yeah. I've been down to Cornwall yeah. a few times and had a, a few tricky moments. But you're right. So that's, I think, serve, you know, electric highway, highway now, um, Osprey, Tesla opening up, they're charging to people, yeah. um, Instavolt, you know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry if I'm missing anybody off, but there are more and more companies now coming into the market, it's very competitive, there will be a shakedown at some point. And let's not forget those giants of you know, shell and BP as well, who understand vehicle movements and whether people are driving um, a vehicle as was combustion engine vehicle, or they're shifting over to an EV kind of travel patterns, the data and knowledge experience that those huge companies have had, yeah. you know, they might not be everybody's cup of tea, but they do know how to distribute fuel energy, etc. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think that's going to be fascinating as well. Um, I put the link in, by the way, uh, to I think I did yeah there it is um, it says me the host that's right so if if you're watching now look in in the chat uh, section there you can um, I'll put it on my LinkedIn post as well you can you can download the PDF don't need to register anything we're not going to capture data we want to just give people that knowledge and experience and, and opinion and advice. Jonathan, this has been fantastic. I feel we've only scratched the surface. We haven't really gone into a so huge much. amount. Of so detail, much to yeah.
1: talk about. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, but but of course, that's the opportunity for people to um, to do that. Now they can get access to the report and, and look at it. But thank you for being, you know, uh, very informative. Thank you for just jumping on those questions, or whatever. Um, great to see that some of your employees are even listening to what you're saying. <laughs> that's that's always good to see. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, th- 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 thanks so much and I, I wish you well. I'm definitely going to dive into this report and go through it a lot more and probably share it up on LinkedIn tomorrow um, because I think people People like opinions, but they do like data and they do like stuff like this because it's, it's something a bit more solid, particularly if you're in a business to sort of anchor your, you know, investments or uh, other things in so 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 that's great. So for now, uh, Jonathan, um, thank you so much for your for your time. Uh, Thank you for you. uh, Thank you to you for watching. If you managed to jump in a question, we asked it. I'm glad about that. Thank you for doing that. If you came on stage with us and that's what we love to do so that was fun too and please join us again next month it will be a similar thing end of the month on a wednesday afternoon four o'clock CET for revolution live but for now thank you very much and goodbye
1: thank you very much goodbye